0: The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Well, if, if you have a Bible, would you turn to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23? If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under your chairs, or you can grab your iPhone, smartphone, uh, iPad, whatever, uh, and look up the, the Bible out there. It's called YouVersion. Follow along, Luke chapter 23. While you're finding that, I'd like to say this. Uh, my wife uh, is very sentimental. Um, as I'm assuming most women are, I- I'm I'm not very sentimental, and and she likes to keep on. She holds on to things that I just don't understand why we still have them. All right, like she has uh, she has the postcards uh, from the 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 hotel we stayed in on our honeymoon. I don't. Why do we have those? All right, and they keep they go in the junk drawer, and every time we open the junk drawer, they bend and all kinds of. Things, but we still have them. I don't know why we have them, but we have them. Uh, Any time Max takes a crayon, my two-year-old takes a crayon and touches it to any surface she keeps it all right like it is just an absolute masterpiece and I'm like you know Angela I I really like art too but like this is this is just not good all right like we just need to get that's just a napkin okay like he didn't even mean to do he dropped that crayon all right like he didn't mean to do that but she holds on to it and why why does she hold on to it when I don't because she sees value in it and and I, I don't see value in it and why it's because of math now, hold, hold on, stay with me, all right? Like, it's because of this equation here, okay? It's, it's X plus usefulness equals value. Whatever it is plus usefulness equals value. Think about it. The things in my life, the things in my home that are most valuable to me are the things that are most useful to me. I value my hot water heater, all right? I value that, okay? That's something I will, I'll take a picture of and put it on the refrigerator, okay? I need that thing. I value the refrigerator, I value the vacuum. I don't know how to use it, but I value it, okay? It gets used somehow, okay? I value those things. We, we have a little, like, two-dollar uh, $2 toy. It's an electronic bubble blower, all right? You push the button, and it just bubbles up here, and you go, like, Grant, why does that have value? Because here's the deal. Anytime my two-year-old is having a breakdown, he could just be having an absolute meltdown. You just whip that thing out, and, and he just, ah, bubbles. And it's just, it's the greatest thing in the world. I, have, I will fight you to the death for that bubble machine, all right? It is very valuable. And there are things about us that aren't useful, so I don't think they're valuable, all right? Like, like we have throw pillows. We have pillows on our bed you don't sleep on. Why? Why are we doing that? I have to take them off and put them back on. And they just sit there and they look at me. and They're like, you can't use us. Why are you on my bed? You're not useful. Conditioner. What? I got shampoo? Like, why do I need you, all right? Like, I don't care about that stuff. Our cat. You know what I mean? Like, things that aren't useful aren't valuable to me. And most of us are this way, aren't we? Think about it. You spend the most money on what's most valuable. You spend a lot of money on college. Why? Because it's valuable. You spend a lot of money on a car. Why? Because it's valuable. You spend a lot of money on computers. Why? Because they're valuable, In the same way, the things that that we don't see as useful, we don't see them as valuable. I'm not going to spend my money there. I'm not going to spend my time there. I I mean, let me just ask you a question. If, If I were to, if I were to offer to sell my iPhone to you right now, how much would you pay for it? Well, what if I told you, you know what, the volume doesn't work. Then how much would you pay for it? Well, actually, you know what, the... The screen just—it just flashes. It's just actually this is a picture. It doesn't work. All right, like how much would you pay for it? Not much. Why? It's not useful, right? I did some math last night. It's really hard for me, but I figured this out—that for the money I spent on college, every semester instead of paying tuition, I could have bought fifty-five trampolines. Now, who does that, right? If my, if my parents, if I call my parents, hey, look, I got great news. So that, that money you sent me for school and all the, the loans and the, and the government aid and all that, here's what I did with it. I said tuition, stay with me, I bought 55 trampolines. And while they're freaking out, yelling at me, I say, hold up, I haven't told you the best news. I get to do it every semester, right? Like no one does that, right? Why? We, whatever's useful is value. That's valuable to us. Now, there's a problem when we think of that way. When we think X plus usefulness equals value, there's a problem. And here's what it is. If we're honest, if we're honest, we do that math with people. When, when people stop being useful to us, when they stop helping us, they don't have value to us. They don't hold value to us. I I mean, think about it. Like, everybody's worked a job that, with a coworker that they just... You know what I mean? Like that coworker. I used to work at Sears um and I sold appliances and, and literally like the most manual labor we ever did uh was like switch out the signs. You know what I mean? Like it went on clearance, switch the sign out, right? That's the most thing that was the most lifting we ever did, all right? The most dangerous part of my job was a paper cut, you understand? And I had a coworker who could not do that job right? Like like our manager would leave for the night and say, look, you two are here. Every sign needs to be changed. And I would spend the rest of the night going behind him, switching the signs he was supposed to switch. And you know what? If I had to pick uh, who I was going to spend my time with at work, it's not that guy, all right, why? He wasn't useful to me, he wasn't helpful to me, so he didn't owe a lot of value to me. You understand? I didn't ask him a lot of questions about his family, why? Because I didn't care, because he wasn't helpful to me. You get what I'm saying? We apply it to people, and, and if we're honest, we also apply it to ourselves, you know? When we don't feel useful, when we don't feel helpful, we feel worthless. We feel like we don't have value. And, and we struggle with this. I don't make enough money to give my family what I want to give them. I'm, I'm worthless. I, I don't know how to help my teenager through this difficult part of their life and their problems. I'm worthless. I, I've wasted the last 10 years of my life with some destructive decisions. I am worthless. And here's the thing. If, if we're still very, very brutally honest, what we're going to do is we're not just going to think that about ourselves, but we're going to take that same formula And we're going to apply it to how we relate to God. We're going to think that God has that same formula. And he puts it on us. And he looks at us and he says. You're not very helpful. You're not very useful. I'm going to go over here now. I'm going to spend my time with this person. Right? And we put that on ourselves and, and and you know what it doesn't matter how many times people tell you Jesus loves you it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times we sing amazing grace right it doesn't matter how many times you come to church and someone just says man I'm glad you're here it doesn't matter you're gonna put your smile on and you're gonna say man yeah yeah it's great to be a Christian it's great to be loved by God but inside that's not how you feel it's not how you feel because you feel useless therefore you feel like God can't possibly see value in you can I tell you a story? There's this kid one time, and um, how many come from a big family? How many come from a big family? It's, it's okay, good, a lot of people, all right. So this kid came from a huge family. You know, there's, there was, he had seven brothers and sisters, seven. And he was born like right in the middle, okay. So just, just right in the middle. And you say, well, that's eight. There isn't a middle. How is it? Shut up, all right. So he's born somewhere in the middle, And so you know how middle children are. How many are are middle child? Children? Middle children? Middle childs? Middle children. Did you see how quick their hands went up, by the way? I am! Right? Like that's... Alright, middle child, we get it. Alright, so anyway... They want attention, right? They're, they're always trying to be hurt. Because the first one, they get everything, right? Like, like they're the ones you're most protective of. When they stump their toe, you cry. You get what I'm saying? And the last one, they're the baby, okay? And so they're fragile and they're porcelain. The middle kid, they're the, they're the test dummy. You get what I'm saying? It's the middle kid that you're like, I don't know if this is safe. John, go come jump on this trampoline real quick. I'm going to keep your brother and sister here. Go ahead, buddy. Now don't worry about taking your shoes off, whatever, don't worry about it, all right? Uh, you get what I'm saying? And so, so he wants attention and so he starts to act out to get that attention, right? A lot of you middle children, you know what I'm talking about. He starts to act out to get that attention and, and so he's kind of a wild child and his family's very religious and... And they would go uh, to, to the services up at the temple all the time. And, and, and you know, they would, they would pray for him. And they'd meet with the rabbi and, and all that. And say, I just don't know what to do with him. And the rabbi would say, he's just a boy, just being a boy. And, and then he started hanging around with maybe the wrong group of friends. And, and he started to steal. You know, it was just little things at first. And, and, and it, it, was, it wasn't to get attention. It was just, you know what, I'm good at it. You know, no one notices me anyway. And I'm good at it. And he started to do it. And then he started to get caught. And he realized something, he said, when I get caught, I do get attention, I I do get noticed. So he started doing it more and more, and then he realized, like, I'm really good at this, and I'm, I'm really good at manipulating people, and and using people, and his parents were desperate, right? He's getting older, and now he's an adult, and he's still doing these things. So his parents are going, what in the world can we do? And, and so they go to talk again to the rabbi, and, and, and and say, I don't know what we're going to do about this, and, and so the rabbi prays with them, and they talk about things, and he just keeps going and going and going and and one day he he hears this teacher this rabbi he'd never heard before someone this rabbi who said crazy things like like turn the other cheek and love your neighbor as yourself and he couldn't believe what he's hearing and he saw this rabbi do amazing and miraculous things right so he comes home he tells his parents about it and his parents are are so thankful You know, finally, our boy, he's finally turning around. His life's turning around. I don't know who this rabbi is. I don't care who he is. I'm glad that he finally has my boy turned around. But you know what? His friends were still there. His friends were still pulling on him. And, you know, true to form, he just kind of went right back into it with his buddies. And he became a little bit more um, uh, courageous, if you will, a little bit more brash and, And so what he decided to do, he said, forget stealing these little things. I'm going to make some real money. So he decided, I I know a guy up the street, he's an older guy, has this farm. I'm going to steal some of his livestock. That'll be some real money. Well, he thought the old man wasn't there, but he was. And the old man came out and, you know, they started to wrestle. And you think, he didn't mean to hurt him, right? But he did. He hurt him really, really bad. And so he took off and he just ran away. But the neighbor saw him run away and so when the authorities came to investigate what was going on someone had done some crime they got his name real quickly and everybody knew him he had a reputation right and they were they were waiting for an opportunity to say yeah that's the guy take him away get him out of here so they did and it was like a whirlwind going through his trial if you can call it that just it was like they said his name and it was like he was guilty and because he'd been a thief his whole life and he really hurt this man and no one really saw him as valuable they they sentenced him to death and again it's just like he woke up that morning right and 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 he was in jail again and, and for the who knows how many times and now he's he's facing death later that day it's it's it blew his mind he he couldn't understand it he couldn't grasp it and so he started to march up to where they were going to execute him a huge crowd had gathered surely it wasn't for him he thought and so he starts to go towards um, where they're going to hang him on a death spike and they put the nails in his hands and his feet he can't imagine that that type of pain he never thought it would ever be him and as his cross comes up and and settles in the ground he makes eye contact with his parents He didn't think I could ever feel more pain, but he did. You know, when his parents saw him, he thought about his life, and he thought about how hurtful he had been, and the decisions he had made, and he wasn't helpful to anyone. He thought how useless he had been, how worthless he was. What a wasted life, right? What a wasted life. Maybe some of you relate. I don't mean that you're stealing livestock, although if you are, please take me to lunch. That's got to be the coolest stories in the world, all right? I steal livestock. That's so cool, all right? I, I won't turn you in, I, I, I think. Am I wearing a wire? Oh, right on my face. All right, so anyway, some of you maybe are relating to this story. Maybe some decisions you can't believe you've made, some relationships you can't believe have crumbled. Maybe you were the top of your class and now you're, you're barely making Ends meet, and you go. How did I end up here? Right? Now, you've been a Christian your whole life, and yet there's been this this same sin, the same temptation, the same shortcoming that's continued to kick your tail for the last five, six, seven years. You can't even remember when it started, or you can't even remember the last time you didn't give in to it. You know, and you just feel worthless. You feel like you have no value that man that's, that's hanging on that cross, that, that thief, listen to this, Jesus shows up, Jesus shows up, check this out, look at Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 39, so Jesus is hanging there on the cross, there are two criminals on either side of him, one is the man, I just told you the story of his life, listen verse 39, one of the criminals, who were hanged, railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So one of the criminals is mocking Jesus, joining in. He's thinking, what have I got to lose here? Might as well get some entertainment out of this. He starts making fun of Jesus. But the thief in our story, look at verse 40, look at what he does. The other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward for our deeds. This man's done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So then here we go. What's Jesus going to say here? Is Jesus going to say, you know, uh, uh, you, you are useless. You're, you, you have no value. You, you, know, you deserve this. I don't. You rightly said that. So get what you deserve. What does Jesus do here? He's about to shatter our understanding of value. Look at verse 43. He said to him, truly. I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Jesus looks at him and he says, you are valuable. In God's economy, X plus, plus usefulness equaling value, it doesn't exist in God's economy anymore x equals usefulness does not equal value anymore God says it's not true you know what equals value now you you do why because you're useful no absolutely not our best attempts at being useful to God you know what the Bible calls them filthy rags that's what the Bible says about him. It says filthy rags. I'll, I'll give you an example. My uh, uh, my son uh, he sees my my wife vacuums the, the the rug every day. We have two dogs um, and a cat, and so you have to constantly vacuum, or you just look you just look like Grizzly Adams, all right? Like and so anyway, she's vacuuming. So my son has this little toy. It kind of resembles a vacuum, and he will push it around the room, vacuuming with mommy, right? And 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 even when she's not vacuuming, if he sees something on the carpet he'll go get his vacuum and he'll run it over the rug it's very cute completely useless do you understand like like he will go over there and he'll be like I got it right do 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 do, do. look daddy I did it and you know what am I going to say to him no son you didn't you know what I mean like you are not helpful you are not valuable to me because you are not helpful stop talking to me right like what what am I going to say to him no What did God say to that thief? Here's what he says. And here's what I would say to my son. Son, what you've done, this, well, it is what it is. But here's the deal. Son, I love you. And that's what Jesus says to this thief. He says, you know what, you're you're not valuable to me, right, you're not not useful to me, you're not not useful to this society, in fact, they're here to make sure you're dead, all right, because you'll know you're not useful at all, you're not helpful, and Jesus doesn't, he doesn't sit there and and rail him, he doesn't judge him like, like he could, instead, he looks at him and he says, you are valuable, and you might say, is this really true, God really thinks I'm valuable, me, yes. And He proved it. Romans 5.8 But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. While we still hated Him while we were still His enemy while we still did everything we could to take glory away from Him He died for us. Why? Because we're useful? No. Because we're valuable. Because He's called us valuable. Look at this thief. I, I highly doubt that while Jesus was on the cross, he saw my face. I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that he thought Grant Thomas Nixon, 1984. I highly doubt that crossed his mind. But you know you know who he did think of? You know whose face he did see? The thief. The thief on the cross. And so you know what? Because he saw that thief, he did see me. Because that is me. That's absolutely me. So as Jesus is is marching to his death, there he is. There's that thief. He doesn't know he doesn't know the encounter he's about to have with Jesus, but Jesus does. And the whole time people are, are yelling and throwing things and mocking them, calling them worthless, trash, garbage. And Jesus says, No, 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 that one, he's valuable. He's valuable. And he's hanging there and he looks over and he sees the thief's face as he finds his, his parents in the crowd. And he sees the shame and the guilt. And he says, no, 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 you're valuable. You're valuable to me. And he says the same to you. He says, I, I see your pain. I, I see your past. I see your weaknesses. I see all the ugliness you try to cover up. I see the things no one sees and you know what you're valuable I love you isn't that incredible and I don't want you to believe for one second the lie that you are not valuable I don't want you to believe for one second the lie that you are defined by your sin that you're defined by your shortcomings because in Jesus you aren't 2nd Corinthians five seventeen. therefore if anyone raise your hand if you're in anyone Would you raise your hand? Anyone? Is there any, anyone's in here? Raise your hand. Some people are dead. Their hands aren't up, all right? Call an ambulance. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Anyone. So, so listen to me. Listen very carefully. Jesus didn't hang on the cross because you're righteous. Because you aren't. He didn't hang on the cross because you're good, cause you aren't. He didn't hang on the cross because you're useful because you aren't, you just aren't. He didn't hang on the cross because you're perfect cause you aren't. I don't know, you're probably pretty cool, right? He didn't hang on the cross because, because you had it all together cause we don't have it all together. But He hung on the cross, because in and of Himself He looked at you and He looked at you and He looked at you And he looked right at you, and he looked at you, and he looked at me, and he says, you're valuable. You are valuable. And he hung on the cross, and that cross will stand forever, showing us that, that we are valuable. You're valuable, and you're valuable, and you're valuable, and you're valuable. You are valuable want to hear something crazy because we're valuable here's what that means others are valuable too you say grant why couldn't you just stop the sermon there i know i wish i could have others are valuable too you can't write people off as lacking value because they aren't useful you have to do god's math now which is others plus or minus usefulness equal value and you say grant that's not a real equation would you shut up nerd and try to hear what i'm trying to say all right Others, regardless of their usefulness, equal value. That means prison should be full of Christians loving prisoners. I'm not joking. Hold up. I give a lot of examples in this stuff, and I say, we should do this, or maybe we could do this, or maybe we could do this. Like, I'm not joking, all right? I'm not just saying that, okay? I'm serious. I'm not saying that that you should wait on some prison ministry. I'm saying you should tomorrow The prison maybe a lot of you drive by, I drive by it every Sunday. Maybe the prison you might drive by every single week, every single day, seriously contact them, find out how you can love the prisoners. I'm not joking. Others equal value. Nursing homes should be full of Christians loving the residents, but I don't have any family members in the nursing homes, So that means they're not valuable to you because they aren't aren't related to you. They should be full of us. And I want to say this, I want to say this real quick. When we think about evangelism, we think about bringing people to Jesus, we think about youth and students, and that's awesome, that's incredible. And we think about, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, starting off, young families, that's great. My grandfather came to Christ at the age of 73, three months before he passed away. 73. How many people are sitting in nursing homes right now? Can't get up, can't come to church, even if they wanted to. And they need Jesus. We should be there. They're valuable. That coworker who gets on your nerves, valuable. That family member that keeps burning bridges, valuable. The the hungry people on Jackson Avenue we're going to feed today, if you want to go be here at one o'clock, those people, valuable. The person you've written off, because you know what? Reconciliation at this point, that's going to be a little bit too awkward. Valuable. The person old or young in this church that you just don't get. I don't know. I don't know where they come from. I don't like their music. I don't like their hair, right? Like, I don't get it. Like, how is their hair white and blue at the same time? You know what I mean? I don't get it. Valuable. They're valuable. You wanna hear something even crazier? God doesn't just shatter the X plus usefulness equals value. He rewrites the formula. Now that you equal value, listen to this. You plus God equal useful you're useful now because you're valuable not the other way around hear me on this not the other way around he loves you so he wants to give you purpose and meaning you're useful now because you have value in God not the other way around all right If you struggle with your value, then you're simultaneously going to struggle with, am I, am I unusable? And you say, okay, so God loves me. Okay, fine. I have value. Sure. Whatever. The cross. I get it. I'm, I'm loved. I have value. But you know what? He can't use someone like me because you're valuable. He's made you useful. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Whoever you are in Christ, because you have value, you now have purpose. And God has made you useful. He's made you useful. He knows who he called. He knows the work he's doing in your life. You, you, you You think he calls you and then he's like, oh, wait a second. I didn't know how useless you were. He knows what he's done. Let me prove it. Let me prove that anyone in Christ has purpose. And anyone in Christ is useful. Look here at verse 23. This criminal was a Christian for a matter of hours. You understand? I don't know how long I've been a Christian. Most of my life though. Definitely most of my life. For some of you it's the same way. I mean, I remember being baptized at six years old. Alright, so, so for most of my life about 23 years of my life I've been a a Christian if if you will and so most of you probably are the same way this guy the thief on the cross hours that's it he's been a Christian for hours that's all he's got but so you say how could he be useful remember this God doesn't want the most successful, educated, nice, good looking, best. God wants the faith filled. That's what he wants. He wants people of simple faith. And what a faithful person uh, with God, a faithful person can do anything. The thief is faithful. Look at verse 42. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here's what it is. The thief had faith. He looked at Jesus. He wanted God. He wanted Jesus and he got him. That's it. That's faith. He wanted it. He wanted God to do something in his life and God did it. That's faith. Isn't that incredible? And God used him. And let me prove it. There's two examples just from his his life as a believer. Isn't that funny? His life as a believer. Ours. Ours as a believer. Look at what God does. Hey, number one. His faith, his faith. God did incredible things through his faith. His faith is an example to us today. And you say, but it was so small and it's so short. Absolutely. But look, he wanted Jesus and what? He got Jesus. And even today, we, we muddy the waters of faith so much, don't we? We, we get into theological and, and doctrinal arguments and we use really big words, right? And, and, and we say, you know, this is, a, this is what faith is, but the thief gives us a beautiful example of what faith is. I want Jesus. That's what faith is. I want you. God, I want you to do something in my life. I'm helpless and I want you. I'm desperate and I want you. Isn't that what faith is? It absolutely is. And the thief is an example of that. This condemned thief, an example to the world now through what faith, um, that, that faith in God can save anyone. Secondly, look at his act of justice. He say, what are you talking about? He's on a cross. What is justice? Justice is righting a wrong. What did he do? He stood up for Jesus. Verse 39, the criminal that, that's hanging on the cross next to him says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But what does he do? He rebukes him. Do you not fear God since you're under the same sin of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. This man's done nothing wrong. So what did he do? He righted a wrong. He took a stand for Jesus. And you say, but it was so small. He said it and it's not like they went, oh, he is? Oh, he's innocent? Get Jesus, get him down. Get him down. Call a doctor. It's not like everyone that heard him say that went, oh, really? Oh, okay, well, we're going to follow Jesus now. But look, we're still talking about it today. And it's, it echoes and it's been echoed a million times over. The, the, the greatness of Christ and the power of justice. It's a great example to us through, through a faith-filled person. God can do mighty acts in the smallest, the smallest act, the smallest stance for justice, righting a wrong. So what wrong are you afraid to write? Because what could you do? What in the world could you do? This, this man hanging on this cross, his single rebuke, this very small act of justice was used as a testimony and is still used as a testimony about the king of kings. Isn't that incredible what God did? So what act of justice are you not acting on because what can I do about it? I'm just one person. Is it human trafficking? Is it hunger? Is it poverty? Is it our children's ministry? Children who need someone to be consistent in their lives, showing them that they have Value. I know I've already said we need help in the nursery, but I can't stress it enough. I think about, as an adult, I can name you the children's workers that I had as a little kid. I can name them to you. They were the first people, besides my parents, they were the first people to show me that in Christ, I have value. Is that it? Is that what God's calling to you? Working for healing in your family relationships? Start small, take that first step, get information, ask questions, step out. We may have a small faith, we may work a small act, but we have a big God. Do you understand? You might say, my faith is small, my actions are small, fine, but we serve a big God, a big God. So you're valuable and now you're useful. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing to show others their value in Jesus? Or maybe the question should be this. What are you not allowing God to do through you? Is it to prove to a child in our nursery that God's love is real because you're consistently there? Is it to show a student that that this faith is better than anything out there for them because you're giving your time to hang out with them and show them that they have value? Is it to prove to your neighbor that God is real because you keep pursuing them and building a relationship with them? Is it, is it proving to your family member that God's love is real because you're gonna forgive them no matter what? Is it, is it righting a wrong or a being forgotten like, like so many orphans are, so many elderly are, so many widows and widowers are, prisoners are, singles are? And is it, is it spending time with them and, and touching their lives? Is it begin to fight? Is God, is God saying, I want to begin to fight poverty in our city, human trafficking in our city, racism in our city? Is it to touch the untouchable, volunteering your time at Friends for Life in Memphis, showing the HIV and AIDS population in Memphis that they are valuable? Is it getting, uh, getting down there in, 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 in eye level with, with the homeless in our city, getting to know them, showing them that you aren't just a project All right, you aren't just volunteer hours, you're a person and you're valuable. Is it to work with middle schoolers? Which I'll tell you this, it'll be the hardest and most rewarding and fun time of your life. You say, but I'm too old. Are you too old to be consistent? A consistent presence in their world, showing them that they're worth your time, showing them that they're worth every gray hair they're gonna give you, right? Is God calling you to change your life, to give up things, maybe to give up everything, maybe to change careers, maybe to not retire? What could God possibly be calling us to do? Listen to this, the second half of the greatest commandment, the the first part is to to love the Lord your God with, with everything. The second half is to love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine what our community, our city, our state, our nation, our world would look like if we did that, if we believed we were valuable and we were useful and others were valuable, imagine what God would do here. Imagine. I want to close um, with this story. How many in here know um, Edward Kimball? Anyone know Edward Kimball? Good. If you raise your hand, I'd be like, I don't know. That's that's a weird coincidence. All right. uh, Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. That was it. He wasn't a a pastor, he wasn't like, he wasn't on staff, he wasn't getting paid or anything like that. He was a Sunday school teacher. And he had a, a boy in his class who fell asleep during the sermons. Let's see, they're all awake. Wow, good job. Uh, fell asleep during the sermons. And uh, you could tell he just didn't want to be there, you know. He'd be in Sunday school and just check out, right? Just that glazed look over their eyes and you know, they're just somewhere else. And so here's what he did. He didn't just say, you know what? I'm just going to teach him on Sunday, and then the rest of the week, they're God's problem now, right? No. He prayed for him, and he pursued him. He found out where he worked, and he went there, and he visited him. He built a relationship with him. And one day, in the basement of that place where that boy worked, because of, of he was willing to be faithful, that boy gave his life to Jesus. That boy was D.L. Moody. One of the greatest pastors and evangelists we've ever seen. Moody spoke at a small church pastored by Frederick Meyer uh, overseas. And Meyer became an evangelist because of the sermon he heard that day and came to America and a young man named J. Wilbur Chapman heard him speak and surrendered his life to full time ministry and Chapman invested his life into a volunteer in the ministry and the evangelism network he started there's a volunteer he invested his life into and that volunteer was named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday became an incredible evangelist and brought thousands to Christ. Billy Sunday's preached a crusade in Charlotte North Carolina and there's a group of people who were so inspired by his call to revival and seeking revival for your community, that they started another revival. And they invited a man named Mordecai Ham to preach. And every night Mordecai Ham preached, the 16-year-old was there. Every single night. And the last night, the 16-year-old surrendered his life to Jesus. And that 16-year-old was named Billy Graham. And hundreds of thousands of people have come to Jesus because of that ministry. Where did it start? Where did it start? Edward... Kimball, a Sunday school teacher who believed I'm valuable. I I know I've made mistakes. I know I have a past, we all have pasts. I, I know I'll continue to make mistakes but because of Jesus I have value and I'm not defined by those mistakes, I'm defined by Jesus. He said I'm valuable. And because I'm valuable, others are valuable. And so I'm gonna give my time to show that to people because I'm useful now, I'm useful. And God's gonna use me to show others that they have value. So I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know a lot about teaching. I don't know a lot about students, but I'm gonna be the Sunday school teacher for these boys here, for these students. Oh man, this is scary. Oh man, I'm over my head, but you know what? They have value and God can use me, even me. God can use me. And I'm going to pursue these kids, and I'm going to let them know they are valuable. And because he believed he was valuable, because he believed others were valuable, because he believed God could use him, God changed the world. Do you get that? God changed the world through a faith-filled, simple Small man God changed the world let me pray for us Lord Jesus I don't know what you're going to do with your word this morning I have no idea but I'm excited because I I think you're going to do something incredible with it I, I believe you are that God, when, when my brothers and sisters out here, those who are followers of Jesus, Lord, when we define ourselves by our shortcomings, by our, our failures, may we look to the cross and say, no, no, no. Just like Paul said, no, 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 that's not me. That's the flesh in me. That's a that's sinful nature, but, but that's not me. I'm not that. I'm new. And Lord, when we see other people, May we see them the way you see them, not write them off, but Lord, give us a heart to see others as valuable. And Lord, may we not be frozen by fear, paralyzed by our past, but instead say, you know what, because I'm valuable now, I'm useful. And God, here's my prayer, here's my prayer. for the people in this room and the people all throughout our city who've heard your word and believe they're valuable, believe they're useful. God, would you bring revival to this city? Would you change this city forever? Lord, would you move your people to go out And simply show others they're valuable. Because we serve a God who says so. We serve a God who proved it. Who laid down His life for them. And then took it back up again. For them. Lord would you change us. And change this city forever. Lord, for those in this room, maybe this is the first time they realize they're valuable. Maybe this is the first time they realize what you did on the cross is for them too. And Lord, maybe today, maybe today they need to start following you. Maybe today's the day. Just like that thief, he had no idea when he woke up that morning what he was going to face. He knew he was going to die, that's all he knew. But you changed everything at that point and you gave him new life. Lord, there is something here that need new life today. Would you give them the the courage to simply say to you, I, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm, I'm sorry for for a life lived without you. I trust what you did on the cross. Would you forgive me? Would you make me new? Would you give me a new life? Would you assure me like you did that thief? That from this day forward, I'll be with you forever? We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.